Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Eagles fans, this is Chris Franklin from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome back to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Eagles. Before we begin, I want to remind you that you can read our content on NJ.com slash Eagles, and make sure to bookmark that to get the latest Eagles news and analysis. You can also subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Extra Insider Tech service, and through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us when we respond to your phone. We're once again joined. I'm once again joined by my No Huddle Show co-host Les Bowen. Today we're going to talk about the Eagles and their dominant win Monday night over the Minnesota Vikings. We're also going to talk about the performance of Jalen Hurts and the jobs of Eagles defense and Darius Slade, a holding wide receiver Justin Jefferson and quarterback Kirk Cousins to a minimal damage. And we're also going to talk about some of the special teams issues that are plaguing the Eagles currently right now. But first off, as always, I want to go to Les. Les, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, Chris. I was up uh, later than an old man should be up uh, last night, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm hanging in there. It's kind of weird when, you know, when you see the link, all the lights go out completely. And, uh, yeah, you get to see the whole different side of the city around 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's uh, different. <laughs> but, yeah, the reason why we were there. Where it is was that the Eagles had that twenty-four to seven win over the Vikings on Monday Night Football in front of a national audience. It was a uh, at first it looked like it was going to be a runaway game for the Eagles, and Vikings came back almost. It looked like it was going to go down the road at times. What happened with Week One with the Detroit Lions and with the Vikings having chances to move the ball down the field, but. The Eagles defense held on, but we're going to start off with the offensive side of the ball first, where Jalen Hurts had probably his best game as a as a pro. Completed 83.9% of his passes for 333 yards. I mean, he completed 26 of 31 passes. And for me, when you look, talk about accuracy and the, and the issues that have been plaguing Hurts and, and the and way people have been talking about, can he throw the ball in tight spots, spaces and is he truly a franchise quarterback? I thought he went a long way proving he can be with this team. But before we get delve deeper into that, Les, what were your overall thoughts about last night's game? Well, overall, I thought the Eagles' offense uh, dominated the first half, then the Eagles' defense dominated the second half. And so it was a little bit of a strange game in that the halftime score was the final score, and it probably shouldn't have been. I think both teams had excellent opportunities to score in the second half. Neither team did. But uh, – I thought Hertz just got the Eagles off to an incredible start. 
Uh, he completed his first 10 passes, including that bomb to Quez Watkins that made it 14 nothing. Um, you know, that's that's what you want in your home opener against a well-regarded team. Make them play from behind, get them back on their heels, and he certainly did. And I was impressed after the game, by the way, he talked about it. He, he talked more about the fact that they weren't able to score in the second half and the way they finished the game than he did about what he did in the first half. And uh, that's a real sign of maturity. Sometimes when guys do that stuff, you're thinking this is a bit he's doing, you know, he's trying to act all humble. But he was really genuinely uh, displeased. And that's kind of who he is. And, and it's, uh, it's one of those things that makes you think that uh, he can certainly, uh, as you said, move forward and, and be a franchise quarterback for this team. Yeah, it was. It's a lot of times you hear you hear a lot of guys just going, "Hey, uh, yeah, we threw the ball well and we and focus on stuff." But you could tell that this team, including Hurts, they weren't happy with the overall performance, even though they were able to put up so many yards. I mean, the Eagles. I'm look at my notes right now. Here, the Eagles finished with 486 total yards of offense, and through two weeks right now, they're actually leading the league in overall offense, and and I believe they're seventh in passing offense too, which. That, that falls on the shoulders of the quarterback. And and the one thing that I saw that I liked from, from him as well, too, was he was able to navigate that pocket. And, and according to Pro Football Focus, I was looking at this stuff for this morning, he had about an average about three seconds to throw the, the ball, and, and which is key, especially in this league. You probably get about around average, about like 2.6, 2.5, and that half second is key because it gives you lets you go through all your progressions. And the fact that he he was able to not only have the time to do so, but put the ball in places where his wide receivers could make plays was key. And he also distributed the ball. I mean, remember last week we were talking about AJ Brown. It was like it seemed like it was AJ Brown and and all and everybody else. Almost like it was like say he was it was the AJ Brown show and he was my guest stars over here with Devonta Smith. That wasn't the case this week. And Devonta Smith got involved early. Quez Watkins had that fifty three yard bomb. So you start to see what this offense can do when everybody's involved. Yeah, I thought, uh, I think by the time he completed his first six passes, all of his receivers had a had a catch. And I, I don't think that was by coincidence. I do think that was a legitimate criticism last week was that he was looking almost exclusively at A.J. Brown. And, you know, the offense has to be more than that. Teams are going to scheme against that if you if you make that your your whole focus. So. This week he didn't. This week it was everybody, and uh, everybody got a pretty good helping of pie, as Andy Reid used to say. And uh, poor Quez Watkins, he still only got two catches. Uh, they just don't throw to him that much. You know, one of them was the 53-yard touchdown, but uh, I, I don't know what Quez has to do to get, you know, five or six targets, maybe go to another team, because with Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and uh, – A.J. Brown, it just doesn't seem like Quez is going to really get a marquee job. But but he had the big one. He had the one that, uh, you know, the, the, the only touchdown pass, really, that uh, that hurts through. And uh, it was, uh, it, you know, it showed who Quez Watkins is, I think, too. Uh, you know, just blowing right through the, the coverage. Um, and then Hurts... Uh, Hurts' last touchdown, the the 26-yard run, 
I was real impressed with that. From the standpoint, it was a boot. Uh, he sold it really well. He had all kinds of room out there, but then he got to maybe the five-yard line. He thought, okay, there's a bunch of Vikings over there. He's not going to score. And the Vikings keep moving backward, and he scores. Uh, Very few quarterbacks can do that. Uh, He basically carried the safety Bynum, Cam Bynum, into the end zone. And, uh, you know, that was was some work there. That was really – all those clips on YouTube of Jalen Hurts weightlifting and so forth, uh, that's not just for show. Yeah, it's, it's, that lower body, pow- lower body power that he has is, is something else. And we, just overall looking at the way that the Vikings were trying to defend Hurts on, on Monday night, I, I, I just had a lot of questions because you figured Ed Donato had a chance to see what Hurts did up close and, and – and, had a chance to do it. Last year, he was the physical coordinator with the Broncos. This year, we, he's in the same role, but with the Vikings. And you would have thought that he would have came up with something a little bit better and, and not sit back in that passive zone. I mean, I know there's a lot of times that's, that's the in vogue defense. Everybody's playing that Vic Vangio's defense. And you don't want to get beat with all those Eagles receivers. And you want to have eyes on Hurts in case he scrambles. But you can't just let him – Carve, a, carve up your defense like that. And, that, and then also, getting back to your Quez Watkins uh, comments as well, too. Funny thing was, he was the, actually the highest graded wide receiver out of all the wide receivers, according to Pro Football Focus. And I look at him, he's a target they just don't utilize a lot. And, and I know it's tough getting everybody fed around this, but it really is tough. And talking to another uh, coach on another team this past offseason, teams worry about him in the slot. They worry about his speed, and they and because you don't find many safeties that are able to match up against him. And he's a nice weapon to have in, in that aspect. And I think he's developed to the point where he's been able not just to run those go routes. He can navigate in the middle of the field. And I, I, I don't know. I don't want to see this team become like a 40, 50, pat, 50 attempt passing team. But even if it's jet sweeps or whatever, they, I think they just have to find a way to get him more involved in this offense. That's a good point. You know, uh, one thing with the offense and the, the passive zone that the Vikings played last night, that certainly did help Hurts. I mean, one of the questions about him is accuracy. He really wasn't fitting a lot of balls into tight windows. And that's not to say he can't, but it just wasn't needed. I don't, th- those coverages were very slack over the middle of the field, especially. Uh, I'm not sure whether there were busts or, or exactly what was going on, but uh, th- there was a lot there. He talked about after the game leaving money on the table, and I think that's certainly true. I, maybe the Vikings thought their pass rush was going to get home. You know, they have elite pass rushers on the edge. Maybe they thought they could uh, pressure Hurts more and make him run around more. But, uh, you know, they, they didn't. I mean, the Eagles have good offensive tackles in Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson. And there wasn't there were a couple sacks. I think one of them was a coverage sack, definitely. I don't remember the other one. But uh, it, it was not a – a hectic night for Jalen Hurts. He had plenty of time in the pocket, and he certainly used it, and he saw the entire field. I wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. And now going over to the other side of the ball, where it came to the Eagles' defense, they had uh, one of the better nights in, the, in that they've had under Jonathan Gannon. Held it, for most of the night, they held the 
they held the Vikings to under 200 yards a, a, a total offense. There's there time it seemed like the Vikings were stuck at 193 yards, and they were able to get some pressure late in the game on Kirk Cousins, but the, the player of the game on, on either side of the ball has to be cornerback Darius Slay and the job that he did on Justin Jefferson. Uh, and Les, for, I'll ask you this first. What did you think of the way that Slay played? And have you remember going back to your through your illustrious reporting career? When was the last time you saw an Eagles cornerback handle uh, another premier wide receiver the way that Slade did? Boy, I don't know, Chris. I mean, that really was a memorable effort. Uh, the Eagles told us that the last time an Eagles defender had two interceptions and five passes defensed was Lido Shepard against Dallas in 2006, I believe. Uh, I don't remember that game offhand. I remember Lido always played well against Dallas. He he had pick sixes against Dallas. Uh, you know, he was very good against that team, but I don't remember, you know, who he was on or, or, or what the circumstances were. But uh, I didn't expect anything like that. I know Darius Slay is a good player, but Justin Jefferson – has been unworldly uh, the way he has started his NFL career these last two plus years. And uh, he just couldn't get uh, any space uh, with Slay. It helped that Kirk Cousins probably, frankly, wasn't throwing the ball very well and wasn't leading him and wasn't really, you know, uh, accurate, I guess. Um, But Jefferson looked lost out there. Slay really had him shut down. Uh, amazing job, and also an amazing job by the Eagles against the run. I, I don't think we should forget that. You know, that was a huge concern after week one in Detroit. And then last night, Dalvin Cook, six carries, 17 yards. Of course, Minnesota got behind, but the week earlier, that hadn't bothered, that didn't bother the Lions a bit. They just kept running it when they got behind, and the Eagles were caught in pass defense uh, setups and ended up uh, giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Uh, last night, the Vikings did become one-dimensional, um, but even when they weren't one-dimensional, <laughs> they just couldn't uh, find anything on the ground. The tackling was solid. The gap uh, uh, responsibilities were well-maintained, and uh, you know it was very reassuring uh, from that standpoint to see this defense uh, just play a dominant overall second half, I thought. Yeah, you're right. When you look at the way that this defense was able to basically remain disciplined in their gaps, it was, a, it was night and day when you look at it. You didn't see defensive ends just wildly going upfield and just leaving all those cutback lanes for Dalvin Cook, and it limited them a lot. It, 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 and you look start to look at the way that the Eagles are starting to play defense, and the only thing that's missing right now is a consistent pass rush along that line. I mean, they got they had Josh Sweat probably the best game out of all the different all, all the uh, defensive linemen. I think he had a sack and a three quarterback hits, which were, were, was mainly happened in the fourth quarter when when the Vikings became one dimensional. But when you're looking at what he just with him, you didn't have that major push from from the defensive tackle spot. I mean, you saw Fletcher Cox had his moments. Javon Hargrave had his moments. I thought he got his hand in there a couple times as well, too. And you start to see what they're doing. It's like they're finally coming together that way. They just need they just need that, that other defensive end or outside linebacker, whether it be Hassan Reddick, whether it be 
that's Brandon Graham, what have you. They just need one of those guys to balance out that line. And Yeah, they sure do. And in the first half, that was really noticeable, Chris. I would not have said at halftime that that was a dominant defensive effort, even though they'd only given up seven points. You know, I just didn't think that the pass rush wasn't getting there at all. And uh, I was kind of focused on that more than I was the the back end. The second half, the, the two parts of it came together real well. They got the three interceptions of Kirk Cousins. And uh, you, you had to say it was a great defensive plan by Jonathan Gannon. But I am still concerned about the pass rush just a little bit. Hassan Reddick still hasn't put together very much in the, in the way of sustained pressure on the passer. Brandon Graham coming back from that Achilles still hasn't looked like Brandon Graham to me. Uh, Josh Sweat is a guy that gets in there here and there, but he's not a dominant pass rusher. Um, yeah, they, they're missing something on the edge there. And will it bother? Will it be a, something that keeps them from winning big? I don't know. You know, uh, maybe not. The, I thought they did have decent push up the middle. Um, you know, and, and they certainly did uh, get after Cousins in the second half. Uh, they had some blitzes, some good blitzes, including one zero blitz, which I don't think I'd ever seen Jonathan Gannon do before. But, uh, you know, it could be better up front uh, defensively a little bit. It really could. And, uh, you know, I, we'll see what uh, the next weeks bring and, and how the games are different from what we saw last night. It's always you can't take just as we put too much emphasis on week one and the fact that the Lions were able to make it close. I think you can look at this game and say, well, the Eagles have it all figured out. They're just going to romp over everybody now and probably won't be the case. You know, there were there were opportunities uh, that were not seized by the Vikings. Irv Smith had a, a bomb right in his hands that he dropped <laughs> fairly early in the game. That would have changed the tone of things. Uh, the big one, well, both of Darius Slay's interceptions came in the Eagles' end zone, you know, uh, ending Viking scoring chances, which was great by Slay, but the Vikings were in the red zone. <laughs> you know, they were uh, – they were knocking on the door, and you don't always come up with those. Sometimes it goes the other way. And then, of course, the biggest thing was in the third quarter, uh, Jake Elliott lines up for a 41-yard field goal. Pat, 32-year-old Patrick Peterson comes flying in off the edge. They had overloaded that edge uh, against Noah Togiai uh, on the left side and uh, blocks the field goal. And lo and behold, uh, another corner picks it up and is going to go for a touchdown, it looks like to me. That was Chris Boyd. And Aaron Sipos, the punter and holder, runs down (laughs) an NFL corner and tackles him. And a couple plays later, Avante Maddox intercepts Cousins and the Vikings get no points out of it. You know, that could have turned the whole game around right there. You, you have a feeling that, you know, I know it's, it's on ESPN, but you have a feeling that uh, Patrick Peters is going to wind up on, come on, man. <laughs> they, get, they get caught down by uh, Aaron Sipos. But, you know, you you lead into a, a very good, uh, you brought up a very point, at least my next question, and I want to ask this to you. It's been two weeks, and you know we, we talked about not not being an overcorrection or anything like that. But when you look at the first two weeks of this season, 
and the end of the last season with the Eagles special teams, it, it just, for lack of better words, just haven't been special, haven't turned the page. Are you concerned overall with the special teams unit and the job that Michael Clay is doing? A little bit. I should say that when I look at special teams, the thing that really hurts you the most, other than getting kicks blocked, which obviously hurts you a lot, uh, which is what happened last night. But other than that, uh, the thing that hurts you the most is when you can't cover. And the Eagles can cover. That has not been a problem under Michael Clay. They're not getting burned for long punt returns or kickoff returns. But their return game is non-existent, and they've changed returners. Uh, I don't think they have, you know, a problem with returners. They have Quez Watkins returning kickoffs and Britton Covey returning punts, and I think those are reasonable options. But none of those, neither of those guys has any room. Uh, they just don't seem to be able to set up anything for a returner. I don't really know why, uh, but that's a problem. And getting that uh, kick blocked last night was a heck of a problem. Like I said, it could have turned around the game. I talked to Noah Togiai. He didn't think he had done anything wrong. He thought, you know, they overloaded his side. He got a piece of Patrick Peterson as Patrick Peterson came flying by. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get a chance to ever talk to Michael Clay about this, but I don't know what he thought about that. I, I don't know if somebody is supposed to notice that the opposition has lined up uh, all over on one side and you need to, you know, call timeout or do something. But that was that was very bad. And, uh, you know, special teams have not been a net plus for the Eagles this year or last year. And at some point, you really start to look at that pretty, pretty uh, critically. But I think I think you're right when it comes to all that. You look at for me, it's field position, because when you look at the times, uh, they they got a couple of those. Uh, they started from their own twenty on a couple of those interceptions based for what Slay was able to do. But when you look at the kick returns, where the teams directly kicking the kickoffs direct directly, they start their drives at 16, 17 yard line, or they just fair catch the punch because th- there's a lot of pressure already on Covey when it comes to there. You can't really do anything with that, and, and it puts a strain on your offense. Just think of what you can do with this offense as they started, say, consistently at the 30, 35, 40 yard line if they get, they broke a, a return. Uh, I know you need more a shorthanded returner. Uh, and that and that's that's completely fine. I understand that because you don't want to give a turnover that way. But when you look at that, they didn't want to do that. And they were lucky they didn't get a punt block. There's a there was the one rush that the Vikings had, I believe in the second quarter, they almost blocked Sippos' punt there. So well, that's where you get to. You're, you're talking about field position. 486 total yards for the Eagles and 24 points. That's not enough points for 486 yards. And that's what you're talking about right there. And I'll, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if this is something the Vikings just do all the time with these short kicks uh, to one side that are kind of high in the air. I don't know if that's like their specialty or if they did this to the Eagles because they know the Eagles don't set up returns well, but it it was strikingly effective. You're right. They pinned them inside the 20, you know, on every kickoff. And, uh, you know, you can't have that day in and day out. You have to figure out something there. And uh, I don't know what what the deal is there. If they don't have the right people uh, in the blocking or if Clay isn't setting this up right, I'm not enough of a savant on special teams to tell you. But 
it, it is becoming a concern. There's no doubt about it. And here's something to think about as well, too, uh, upcoming now. The Eagles have used two elevations now on both Togiai and on Kovey, and we've seen them both be part of those special teams. And they have that open roster spot, and you kind of feel like it would be Kovey that gets moved up to that spot, but I don't know who's out there when it comes to returners. Do you start to look that way? I don't think they'll go recall to sit to the Los Angeles Chargers and goes, hey, Rich Rod, what are you doing out there? Come back here. We'll sign you to the regular roster because they still want that. But they, they, they've got some decisions to make, and it's going to be fairly soon after this uh, Commanders game because you, you you can't keep calling up Toji. You can't keep calling up uh, – a Kobe pretty soon to, to fill out those positions. It's, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, that. somebody's got to be on the real roster. You know, uh, you can't. You, you're right that that they just don't allow you to do that week after week after week. Um, I just wonder, as far as getting you know blocking and things like that settled down. One thing the Eagles did under Doug Peterson and Dave Phipp, uh, special teams coach, who's now in Detroit. When things went bad, they just put veteran starters on special teams. You know, Malcolm Jenkins played special teams. Rodney McLeod played special teams, you know. And I know they don't want to use, you know, Slay and Bradbury and and those guys on special teams. But you know, Devontae Smith or – but, heck, if you – you know, if it's hurting you, you might need to – just to do that at least temporarily until young guys get coached up. Um, that is certainly a safety valve that coaches have used in the past. Yeah, and it's, they better figure out something quick because even though this is, for lack of better words, I know you don't want to, the division opponent still tough is tough no matter what, but it's still to me it's still part of the easier part of the schedule. We have this, the Jaguars, and, and you go from there. You, you don't want when when you have to face a team like the Packers who have special team issues themselves or some some of the top teams in this league. If it comes down to playoffs, the last thing you want to do is see your offense continually start start back in their own position, positions or, or missing tackles, and the next thing you know you're watching the games from home because you lost in that aspect of the uh, of the game so that they better fi- figure out something quick on that now i just thought about this less as well too i mean we're looking at this team now they're two games in which part when we look at the, it was which i guess i'll word it this way do you think the eagles as a whole are closer to the version that we saw against the detroit lions or the version that we saw against the vikings you know, I would think what we saw last night because the, the Lions game was week one and they did not play the regulars in the preseason hardly at all. And I, I, some of the missed tackles and, and some of the things you saw in that first game, missed blitz pickups, it, those were mental errors. It wasn't a, a situation where – Detroit had more talent in various matchups and scored points. It was, you know, mistakes. And the Eagles corrected a lot of those mistakes last night against an opponent that I think is probably at least as talented as Detroit, probably more talented than Detroit, and really matched up well. And that doesn't mean they're going to play that way every game, 
you know, and that every matchup is going to go like that and every team's going to play that soft zone defense for Jalen Hurts. And, you know, everything's going to go the Eagles' way. Balls will go into Darius Slay's hands whenever they need a pick. You know, that it doesn't go – seasons don't go like that typically. But I do think they match up in most areas, uh, just about every area really. Uh, I don't think they're a team that's going to lose a lot of games on talent this year, frankly. Uh, I think if the, the games they lose will be lost through mistakes, uh, penalties, turnovers, things like that. I, I, I really think talent-wise they stack up probably with all but two or three teams in the league. See, for me, you know, I'm, the more I think about it, I'm starting to look more towards that week one only for the fact that it depends on the philosophy that this defense adopts. I mean, for me right now, I still think this offense will rely more on a run game when push comes to sove, but they have a good supplement with the pass game. They can basically do both now, I think, and and I think everybody would feel comfortable with that aspect, that aspect of the game. But when you look at the defense, it depends on who the opposing quarterback is. I think – uh, and, and I still think Kirk Cousins is better than Jared Goff. I, I think wholeheartedly. Well, if as long as it's not Kirk Cousins are on primetime, a primetime game. But when you look at the two of those together, I, I just think that the Eagles' defense, if they play passive, and they did I, that second half, they start to do it a little bit, and they're not going to face a team that every time is going to go one for four within the red zone. You're not going to get that at all. Too most teams convert on about. At some point, something like a 40% basis or something like that when it comes to there. So I think you're going to start to see more and more, and then you're going to start to see more of a dogfight. And I just want to – I wish we see this Jonathan Gannon a lot more than what we did in, in week one. I, I, I like what he did. I know he's from the Zimmer. I know he's from the Zimmer tree. I want to see him do the double leg gap blitzes more. I want to see him put more pressure on these quarterbacks because they have the secondary that can cover guys for about four or five seconds. They have that ability. But how many times do we see them? Uh, the, the defensive line doesn't get the pressure, and these guys get in the, the scramble drills happen, and things break open, and the next thing you know, teams are converting 10, 15 yard passes, even though there's good initial coverage. So I ho- hope for the Eagles' sake that they go more towards the week two version of it. But until I see a consistent, more basis when it comes to that, I think we're looking more like the Detroit Lions the version, the game version of them. That's interesting. Yeah, I I just don't think their defense is going to give up 35 to a lot of teams. But uh, the offense, I don't know what it's going to be ultimately. I definitely want to see it become more of a passing offense because I think that's the only way you win the Super Bowl. But uh, I, I don't know where Jalen Hurts really is in terms of, you know, if they play some aggressive man-to-man. Uh you probably go back to A.J. Brown a lot against aggressive man-to-man. Maybe it would look more like Detroit in that regard. But uh, I'm not sure how many teams are going to get a lot of pass rush pressure unless the Eagles' offensive line is making mental errors. Physically, I just don't see who's going to overpower these guys. Yeah, it's going to be – and just imagine, we're talking all this stuff. This is only week two. <laughs> It's, it, 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 but uh, we basically went over this whole entire game, and guess guess what week it is now, Les? Week it's three. Wentz week. Wentz week. 
we'll, we'll get more into that later on this week and when we, when we break down the commanders. But Les, do you have any final thoughts about uh, this past game, this win against the Vikings? Yeah, I just thought it was tremendously reassuring. I know we've picked a lot of nits here in the course of talking about it because it's boring just to say everything was great. But it was a reassuring, uh, really solid game that I think established the Eagles as contenders. Uh, if you had any doubt about that after week one, and I think some people did, um, I, I think you know that this is a team that's capable of being uh, there at the end in the NFC, uh, whether that actually happens, whether they get people injured, whether, you know, nobody knows what can happen in 15 games, but more games of regular season. But they sort of, they showed their credentials last night. And I think the whole country saw it, the whole league saw it. And uh, that's that's kind of something they needed to do. Um as they head into a stretch of, of games where they'll be favored teams that probably aren't as well regarded as, as the Vikings were. Yeah, you, you, very good point. It's a very good point. when it comes to there. And for me, I'm looking more, I got for the job that I think Shane Steichen has done so far early on the season through training camp and all the way through the first two games of the season. Cause this Eagles offense, it seems to have always have a, uh, has the new wrinkles that worked. I mean, if, you you look at the development that Jalen Hurts has had uh, under Steichen and Sirianni and Brian Johnson, but when you look at what Steichen's past was, when he, what he did to help Justin Herbert have success in his rookie year, and what Jalen Hurts is now doing when he gets comfortable within this offense and what he's doing, he, and since he's been doing a play calling, this this team has been doing very well and. It's gotten to the point where you're starting to look at, okay, you look at Steichen's history with developing Herbert, developing Hertz. Are you going to start to see some teams at the end of the season start knocking on his door asking, hey, we want to bring you into an interview? And if if the Eagles have success this year and the fact that they say they go to the divisional round, maybe an NFC championship game, you got to start wondering. You might have a chance of losing both coordinators. It's still early, but yeah. looking early on the way that Steichen's done, I, I, I got to commend him on the job that he's done. Yes, yes, I would too, yes. Well, that's going to end it for this week, uh, for this uh, episode. Right? We're going to be talking about the Eagles' upcoming game against the Commanders later this week. And the Eagles are going to be uh, – reuniting with their old former first-round pick, uh, Carson Wentz. And you're going to have to see Terry McLaurin is another good receiver that the Eagles might have to face. So we're going to see how they do that. But we're going to break that down later on. But for less, I'm Chris. Everybody have a good one.